Come on. Welcome to Life Love. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Dan Ryan. Dan, are you ready to do this? How could I not be after that intro? <laughs> Let's go. Dan is a CFP. He is the managing partner of Sincerus Advisory. He's a fee-only advisor providing wealth management and investment advisory services to high net worth individuals. Dan, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me, George. Uh, I, as you mentioned, I'm a CFP. I'm a financial planner. I live in New York City. I have um, uh, for most of my life at this point. Um, and frankly, I just work with individuals um, trying to be an advocate for them and and help them develop a financial plan that that can give them peace of mind at night that they're going to achieve their financial goals. Um, and frankly, that's the only job I've ever had. I know many advisors have, you know, sold a product or sold insurance at some point in their life, but but I've had the the benefit uh, and the fortune of being able to only work on this kind of fee basis where the only compensation I receive is what my clients pay me. How in the world did you get started that way? <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, I mean, there, once upon a time, there was a time when, um, frankly, the only people that could afford to, to have that type of advice were the ultra high net worth people. And frankly, they were the only ones that knew to look for that type of advice. Um, but a lot's changed in the past 15 years. And um, there's been this democratization of services. And uh, a lot more people can, can afford to get that, that uh, independent and conflict-free advice. That strikes me. Uh, that as you're talking to people, has it been a progression of people kind of cock their head and say, what does that mean? Or, and, or people sort of becoming more aware that that's an option? Um, twofold. I mean, you know, I work with plenty of people whose background is certainly not finance and finance is not their core competency. And that's why they came to me. Um, and, and in that regard, they meet most financial professionals with probably a healthy dose of skepticism. Uh, as they should. And, uh, and so there is a, a degree of pulling it apart and saying, what actually is fee only? And, you know, I assure you that I have a fiduciary responsibility and the recommendations that I make have to be in your best interest. And that's the only way my firm operates. Right on. What is a Henry? Uh, it's an industry term uh, and, and probably a dated one at this point. We could probably come up with something a little bit more, uh, more gender neutral there. Um, but uh, it's a high earner, not rich yet. And, you know, this is just those people that are in those accumulation phase of their, of their financial journey. Nice. And so it's people that are, I think it's a, a great term. I hadn't thought about uh, the, the gender neutrality part of it. Um, which is probably worth kicking around. Um, so that just means it, 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 exactly as it sounds. These are folks that their concern is not how do I manage my mass sum of wealth? It's how do I make sure I don't screw up perhaps along the way? How do I make sure I'm doing everything as, as optimally as possible? Sure. Um, and, and, you know, presumably someday they will be those, those high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals. Um, but, but there's a lot of life that's going to happen to them between now and that point and a lot of opportunities to make mistakes 
and derail them from reaching that point. So uh, what are some of those kind of common pitfalls? What do you see? Uh, you know, I would say the, the biggest mistake you can make, I believe, is the absence of a plan and and not the foresight to say, hey, you know, these are the objectives I want to achieve and these are the steps I'm going to take. Um, and obviously the risks I'm going to manage. What 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 is out there in the world that could derail it, be it, um, you know, a, a, a disability or a catastrophic life event or or just making a, a bad stock sale and not having the taxes to pay it. Uh, and so, those are pretty. Uh, those are pretty good unforced errors, right? Um, not having a plan, and if we don't have a plan, then we probably don't have any steps. We're just sort of figuring it out as we're going along. Not protecting ourselves from inherent risks like a disability, which could obviously impact my ability to be a Henry, uh, and then taxes certainly. So, what what constitutes a financial plan? Sure. Uh, I, you know, the, for many of my clients who are in their 30s and 40s, their parents' financial plan was a 100-page book that they sat down with and created once and was handed to them. And they said, go follow this and we'll check in once a year. And uh, that's not the world we live in anymore. Uh, many of my clients view it as, you know, it's kind of this iterative process. It's, it's uh, you know, I work with a lot of tech professionals, so I steal a lot of agile terminology and, and repurpose it. And in that regard, it's saying, hey, we're gonna be flexible and we're gonna be collaborative and we're gonna sit down and we're gonna get together and create kind of with this minimum viable product that we can just iterate on over time. And as life changes, the plan will change and it'll it'll veer and swerve. Um, but but we can always just, you know, create a huddle and get together and, and make those adjustments. And so they can go back to living their lives. Yeah. I think that that's great. And that's a great term for, for that is, is iterative um, because it does need to be agile. We need to be able to, to, to quickly make changes. And even it, it, there's probably some people out there who, who, who want a huge leather bound, you know, voluminous plan. That's probably true. I, I imagine that probably in the minority these days. Uh, but I, I really feel like uh, we overcomplicate financial plan and it's like this complex thing that's not accessible. And that's, you know, that probably leads to that big problem that you talked about. For sure. For sure. So just understanding, okay, Let's let let's just get started. Let's put this minimum viable product going. Let's put steps to it, and then um, let's just round out some of these risks. You mentioned disability. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, for many of my clients, that may be their biggest risk, uh, and uh, it's a, uh, admittedly it's a hard risk to to insure against and, and to mitigate. Uh, you know, while you're in these income earning years. Uh, you're still accumulating assets and uh, there's not a lot of great solutions. And so are we taking advantage of everything of our employer, uh, employer offers? Are we having a savings rate uh, that, that, can, that can build up this contingency reserve, this nest egg? Um, and, and even just a worst case scenario, what would that life look like for us? Would one spouse continue to work? You know, what life changes could we make? What, what, what part of our expenses uh, could could be adjusted downward. In terms of of emergency funds or contingency 
cash reserves, whatever term you like to use. I'd be curious what term you like to use. And then how do you work through that with clients? Yeah, I you got me. I prefer contingency reserve because uh, <laughs> it doesn't have the word emergency in it. But uh, but we all know what we're talking about, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, finance professionals, we love to do this thing where we come up with a new complicated term for the same old thing uh, every few years and it makes us sound smarter. So I'm on contingency now. I'll have something new in a few years. Uh, but, but, you know, it, there's this concept of there's different answers for everybody on what the right contingency reserve is. You know, for somebody who's a stable W-2 employee, maybe it's a, a three-month amount and they're saving and investing everything else. And for somebody who's self-employed and has a really uh, variable income, then it's maybe nine months to a year. Uh, and, and obviously there's an emotional component of that too, of, of what just feels right for you and what what can give you a peace of mind so that you can invest and that you can uh, take these other steps um, in the proper way. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. It's just, it's, it's like you were talking about, we just need a plan. So we need to think about what amount are you comfortable with? And that's, you know, then you sort of back into it. In terms of um, having the opportunity to have some kind of equity compensation, uh, if it's stock options, stuff like that, how how do you walk people through the process there? Yeah, I mean it's it's everywhere right now, right? Uh, especially you know a quarter of our economy is is in the tech sector now, and every tech company loves to give equity compensation. Uh, and you know it's been this interesting evolution because you know you, there's plenty of billionaires that were made at Apple and Google and Amazon. Uh, I hate to tell people that you're probably not going to become a billionaire off of your Amazon, Google uh, stock these days because uh, those billionaires have already been made. Uh, but but the companies have leveraged that experience that people still talk about and and used it as a way to to kind of display some of the compensation upfront to people. Uh, and and unfortunately, that makes a lot of people freeze and and not as we discussed, be able to make a plan. They just see this really big number um, that maybe they're going to re- receive over the next four to five years. And, uh, and that looks great. And, and that's where the decision-making process ends for them. So they just say, yep, I'll take it and I'll tuck that away and not think about it ever again. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I've got a million dollars of Amazon stock that'll come to me in the next five years. Um, if, if all goes well and Amazon stock stays what it is and, and, and that's it, you know, does somebody need to speak with an attorney to read through this? Can they do it themselves? Can they talk to a, a financial advisor to actually understand it? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, uh, you know, obviously a CFP is a great place to start. Uh, to, to decipher this. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of these companies have very similar plans or advisors work with many employees at one company. And, uh, and so they have this, this scale to do it. Um, and uh, companies have pretty good benefits in HR these days to, to work through it and understand it. So, so what is the, the easiest way for somebody to screw it up? Yeah, I'll give you a great example. Um, RSUs, restricted stock units, um, awards are really, really common now. Um, and a lot of people's RSUs vest in the spring. Uh, 
And a lot of people don't have a plan when, when they get those shares, if they're going to sell them, if they're going to continue to hold them, um, not saying which is right or wrong, but, but, but marrying that vesting event to some of your actual financial goals is, or, or failure to marry those two is a, is a great way to screw it up. A lot of people, if you were to hand them the cash, uh, a lot of cash today, and they were going to say, I'm going to use this to buy a house in the next six months. They probably wouldn't say, but in the meantime, I'll go buy one stock with the money and take my chances because mm-hmm. that's my house money. But if you give them the same dollar amount in stock, a lot of times they'll say, no, I'll just let it ride for a little bit longer until I'm ready to buy that house. And, uh, you know, that's an instance of you have not married your goals and your objectives to, to your assets that you actually hold. Um, and there's, there's this, you know, endowment bias to when you're given stock, your tendency is to hold stock. Um, even though you wouldn't do that had you been given cash. Got it. So, okay. So I, I think I'm tracking. So the, the, the danger is in my bias for a million different reasons, just to hold on to this. Cause I think I probably have special knowledge of the company and I think it's awesome and we're doing great. And because just historically speaking, I've been given the stock, so I'm just going to keep it. But that's in fact way too concentrated and that's another risk management error. It could be. It could be. I, I mean, risk risk goes both ways, correct? Right? Like you, you can benefit from taking risk and you can get hurt by taking risk. Uh, but, but not thinking about what is the appropriate amount of risk uh, for my situation and for achieving my objectives. Because uh, I think a lot of people would agree that holding one stock is a lot of risk and no matter what the company is. And... Uh, it might be a lot too much risk for a certain near-term financial goal or in- intermediate-term goal. Yet another example of just how important it is to ask yourself that question and say, okay, let's think about how comfortable am I if this is the scenario? Um, and so it's just going through the exercise and making sure that I'm sitting down and thinking about how this new inflow of, of, of money, uh, how does it fall into or match up with the, my overall financial picture? Yeah, and and we're all human, and we all have plenty of biases and uh, you know overconfidence, uh, endowment, uh, you know just the in inaction. Uh, it's easier to do what what takes the least amount of work, uh, and so these all come into play, and you got to be cognizant and recognize this. Yeah, makes sense. Well, damn, people are ready for that difference making tip. What do you have for them? Uh, I think you've sussed it out of me a little bit, but it's, it's make a plan. And, you know, obviously I, uh, I'm a financial planner, I'm a CP, and I think their website is letsmakeaplan.org. So uh, I'm not a marketing guy. I'm just going to ride on their coattails on that one and say, uh, sit, sit down uh, and make a plan. And an advisor is a great party to have in and, and help you make that plan. But it could be with your spouse. It could be with your loved ones. Let's have a, a, a conscious effort to to sit down and put together a plan and say, these are my goals. These are my assets and my income. And let's, let's align these so that, so that everything in my financial world is working on my behalf. Well, I think that is great stuff that definitely gets, come on. You know, when you say it like that, it makes so much sense. So (laughs) just got to do it. Take a little bit of time to, to do what Dan just said, like it. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? Sure. Best place to find me is, is, is on our website. Uh, it's Sinceris ADV, as 
like advisory, sincerisadv.com. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Dan your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to sincerusadv.com. That's S-I-N-C-E-R-U-S, S-I-N-C-E-R-U-S-A-D-V.com. Thanks again, Dan. Thanks so much, George. I appreciate it. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.